All right, well, let me open us up uh, with a word of prayer. Well, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that we get to gather together. God, I pray that as we open up your word, that you would be instructing us, Lord, that you give us ears to hear um, what you are saying, Lord. Pray that we would be groaned through this message this morning, God, and that you would be glorified. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are on uh, week two of a two-week study on discipleship. Um, uh, this, the focus this week is going to be on the application of the truths that we learned last week. I'm just going to run through a quick recap of the lesson that Jeremy Conrad taught uh, last week called Christ's Design for the Lay Member. And in his lesson, he showed us what a biblical understanding of how discipleship should look in the life of Calvary Bible Church. And that was from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians 4 and let's read. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We saw last week from here in Ephesians that Christ gave the gifts of the church leadership so that the body would be built up in love. Again, those leaders are the prophets, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teachers, and the teachers, including the lay, the non-elder teachers, that's us here. I'm not going to unpack again all that Jeremy did because he did a wonderful and a passionate job of instructing us on that last week. And if you weren't here, I would certainly encourage you to go back and, and find that message either on the app or online and listen to that. Um, but by paying a close attention to Paul's message to the Ephesians, we learned what the role of the lay church member is. It, you learned what your role here at, at Calvary is designed to be. And the main takeaway from the teaching from last week is that the leaders of Calvary are here to equip us, the lay members of the church, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the church. And that is what we are to be about, serving the body of Christ until we are all in glory. And from the text in Ephesians, we saw that there were three divine reasons why Christ gave the leaders to the church. Number one, that was the individual saints are equipped. Two, the immature saints are stabilized. And number three, the intertwined saints are grown. So these are the outcome when the faithful leaders are equipping members to faithfully serve. Uh, we'll be spending our time here at kind of fleshing out each one of those points with application. And, and hopefully by now you kind of all understand and, and that we are to be about the work of ministry. And we are to be spending, uh, we're going to be spending our, oh, see. No, okay, so we are to be about the work of ministry. So no one should be content to sit on the sidelines and the bleachers and just watch what's happening here in the church around you. So we're calling for a shift in mindset 
uh, is needed. You can follow along with me in your outline. Um, it seems like it's a, there's a lot there, but I did want to be uh, intentional, including a lot of this information, so that you had something to refer back to um, later on. And now the first question we want to ask is, how do we go about applying the truths that we learned from last week from Ephesians here? It is, how are we to go about the work of the ministry? So looking at the individual saints who are equipped. The teachers are the gift to the church, but how do they equip us? The elders that God has given uh, Calvary at this time have seen fit to equip us through several different studies and groups. And we're going to be looking at some of the, those groups and how they are the practical ways that you can place yourself under the teaching and the equipping from the elders. And the, f- the first one being, it's Sunday school. I mean, you're all here today. This is one of the, sh- you know, the, the surefire way to be under the teaching that the elders have set in place to equip us for ministry. And it's not just here in adult Sunday school, but if you have children, placing them in the children's Sunday school so that they can be under the teaching and equipping from the Sunday school teachers to your children. Um, thinking of the next Sunday school series, it's going to be a five-week series on parenting. Now stop. Um, before you decide that that's not for you, whether or not you have toddlers in the home or have teens about to leave, whether or not that Lord has blessed you with children, whether you are single and this is the furthest thing from your mind, come to learn the biblical principles of parenting so that you can faithfully bring Scripture to bear uh, to both children and parents that the Lord places in your path. So place yourself under the teaching here in Sunday school and be equipped. And in case that you, you, you happen to miss any of those, we have all of the Sunday school lessons either online or on the app to go back and re-listen to. The other ways that the elders have seen to equip us is through our regular Sunday service and, and the weekly small groups. So be committed to attending both of those that you might be equipped to serve and begin to pour into the lives of others. The other areas that the elders have have put in place would be the men's and women's Bible study. So the men's Bible study, or ISI, Iron Sharpens Iron, um, they meet on Saturday morning here um, and is led by Jeremy Conrad and Rod May. And there are two different women's Bible study groups. I think one meets on Tuesday nights and the other meets on Wednesday morning, uh, led by Nita Moore, Allie Jones, and other women. But the design for both of those groups is to to get together, to spend time studying God's Word or another book, and they spend time praying with one another in small group, keeping each other accountable. That is one way that the elders have seen fit to equip you. And think of student ministry, those that are um, ages 14 to 18. Um, It meets on Sundays from 4 to 6, and is led by our associate pastor, Randy Barlow. They spend time also going deeper into the Word, learning how to pray for one another and keeping each other accountable at a young age in their own Bible reading. This is done with the intent to support parents as they teach their children the fear of the Lord. And college and career. So maybe you have graduated from high school and you are either in college or working. But my wife, Bethy, and I lead this group, and we meet every other Friday night at the Keese's house. Um, and this isn't just a singles group. So we have several faithful young couples who have also attended. Um, but we get to fellowship over a meal, um, spend time in prayer with sm- in small groups, and, and study and discussion together. 
Um, for the sake of the gospel, this is an evangelism downtown led by Jared Jones and several others. And they go downtown in small groups uh, on a specific Friday night to share the gospel. Um, there have been classes here at Calvary um, that, have put on, that they have put on in the past to equip you to be effective in sharing the gospel. Now, if you want to grow in this area or have been passionate about evangelism, I'd ask Jared Jones or the other elders about this opportunity. And the biblical counseling, um, every year we host this conference and trading off with a sister church in Granbury. So this year, Calvary is going to be hosting it. Um, and it consists of, of one weekend, that's a Friday night, and an all-day Saturday um, to teach you how to use the Bible in specific areas of your life. Um, this is a, a free event that you can come be equipped to use God's Word. Um, while it's designed to get people on track to become a counselor. It benefits everyone who participates. I mean, I remember attending several years ago, and I was just tremendously blessed by the content um, and the clarity on, on how you can use God's Word and how you can bring it to bear, not only in your own life, but in the lives of others around you. Um, so you can check your email to see when those dates are. It's going to be in September, October, and November. And, and sign up. It's a, it's a free event. Um, the men's, e, uh, men's E4M, uh, it, it's, you know, the name implies it. It's equipping for ministry. Um, it's how the elders have specifically uh, designed to, to pour into a group of men, not only to lead their homes, but also lead here at church. And it does consist of a three-year program to train men in Bible knowledge, um, in systematic and practical theology, and to ministry practice. Um, for those men who are interested in applying for this, the, the 2022 um, men's group, be sure to listen to the recording from two weeks ago, um, where there's a Sunday in, intro and, and Q&A session that Jason put on. Um, you can find it, the, the link either in the church email or uh, online. And the women's E4M, I think as it's finally referred to in the office as We4M, <laughs> Similar to the men's E4M, it's, uh, you know, the, the, they started a women's track, and they have taken the women through a hermeneutics, doing an Old Testament survey and a New Testament survey. It's done over five semesters, and I believe that the third semester has just started. Um, you can see Savannah Barlow for more information. And then we have Adventure Club. Now, this church used to have Awana on Sunday afternoons, um, and they had families who faithfully served there for a long time, but as their children kind of aged out of that, and then COVID happened. We just haven't had Awana since then. Um, the elders' desire is to start Adventure Club, which is similar to Awana, and it is published by the same folks who do our Sunday school curriculum for the three through 10-year-olds, um, and it is formatted as a, a systematic theology for kids to hit all the primary doctrines over a three-year cycle. I mean, who wouldn't want that for our kids? Um, we have everything we ne necessary to start up, except for leaders. So if this is something you feel called to or want more information on, I'd say please find Rod May and talk to him about that. Um, brothers and sisters, just commit yourself to being equipped for ministry by faithfully attending uh, the groups that the elders have set in place to pour into your lives. Um, do you see that these are programs which the elders have put in place are an opportunity for us to pour into the lives of others. So here's that mindset, that, that mindset shift happening. 
rather than coming to these studies or groups thinking, what can I get out of it for me? How can I be better equipped to serve others? Be resolved to faithfully attend and be taught and then go out and teach what you have learned to others. Every believer at Calvary should be placing themselves underneath the shepherds and teachers equipping ministries. This is the primary way that the pastors are able to equip us and to teach us to obey Christ in every area of our life. This is the way that they disciple us. And when you're placing yourself under that that teaching, you become equipped to do the work of ministry. And that effect is that the immature saints are stabilized. Now, this is where we're going to get into the meat of the application here. This is where the equipping is put into practice. So last week, we saw in the text that the effect of this ministry causing saints in the body to become mature and stabilized. So look at the text here in verse 14. It says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What is a spiritual child like? It is one that's tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine. A child is carried about by human cunning or carried about by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The question then is, how do we help people go from spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity? And the answer for that is discipleship. Uh, and let's take a look at the definition of discipleship, because that's how we move from being equipped for ministry into putting it into practice. Now, Randy and I were talking last week, and he gave a helpful definition that comes directly from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and it is teaching others to obey Christ in every sphere of life. This is from the Great Commission that Jesus gave his disciples and to us. So you can turn with me to Matthew 28, or, or just follow along as I read. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. We're called here to, to go make disciples. And so the question is, what is a disciple? What does it mean to disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? Simply put, a disciple is a learner or a follower. During the New Testament, uh, the Greek term for disciple usually referred to an adherent of a great teacher or master. In the New Testament, it is used as, to refer to as Jesus' followers. A disciple is one who is baptized. And discipleship happens between believer to believer. Not are we only to be disciples or followers of Jesus ourselves. We are to make disciples of Jesus and to teach them to obey every command of Jesus. Now, you know, where do we find the commands of Jesus? So the scripture contains all that we need for life and godliness, Peter said in, in 2 Peter. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Our goal in discipleship is to provide instruction from the Word of God so that the saints can obey the commands of God in every area of their life. And when we talk about discipleship, there are two categories that I'm sure you're familiar with. They are the informal and the formal. Now I'm going to kind of start talking about the informal first, and that is it's unscheduled in frequency, but it is still intentional. Now what could this look like? Now it could look like a phone call or text to someone with a scripture or prayer. Sharing with someone else uh, what you have been reading or how you have been growing. You know, asking someone if you can pray for them specifically. Do they have anything coming up this next week that they need prayer for? And if they do, pray for them then and there, and then try to follow up the next week to see how that everything has went. You know, hospitality is another way you can do this. And by inviting people into your home and to share a meal and to model family ministry, pray with them. Get to know them. You know, I can think of several families here at Calvary have done this very well. In fact, Kyle and Hillary Horace, who are relatively new, have jumped right in and opened up their home. I mean, when we were between homes, they opened up their guest house for us for a few days. They were even kind enough to install a toilet before we arrived. <laughs> life on life ministry, though, is inviting people to come alongside you as you live your life. Men, do you have a project that needs done? Invite a young man to participate, and then you can get double the projects done. <laughs> no, really, you can use that time to pour scripture into his life. Or for the women, can you invite a young lady to come shopping with you as you can complete it for your home? Or invite her into your home to model what it looks like to raise a family or to keep a home. See, Jesus spent three years with his disciples. Mark 3.14 says that, And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. His disciples had to be with Jesus day in and day out in order to hear his instruction, to see his life, to observe how he structured his day and spent his time in prayer. They needed to be with Jesus before they could be sent out to preach. And you can model this by inviting others into your home to share a meal together, to model what family worship looks like. And let me just say that it's not just the structure of having people into your home that's key here. It is the, it's the heart and the content of the ministry. So let me wrap up this informal discipleship and say that it can happen anywhere and anytime you bring the word of God to bear into someone else's life uh, with the encouragement to obey Christ's commands. Now, moving on to formal discipleship, uh, this is normally broken up into two categories, um, the first being biblical counseling, which is intensive discipleship, which is focused on a particular sin habit or maybe an extreme trial and is limited or temporary in nature. It's focused on bringing the word of God to bear in an individual's life in regard to a particular sin habit that's become enslaving or an extreme time of suffering. And we are blessed at Calvary to, be, uh, to have many biblical counselors here. But let me tell you, more are needed. Uh, there's a long wait list, uh, especially for women. Um, so consider attending the conference this year. And there's a huge opportunity um, for you to participate in this ministry that, and that Calvary has put into place. And the goal of that counseling is to help a believer obey the teachings of Jesus in a specific area of their life. 
Now, general discipleship is more structured um, in a sense that it is, there are planned weekly or bi-weekly meetings, a planned study or a book to go through. Um, this does require work for both parties. Um, and rather than dealing with a specific sin or suffering, the focus here is on the entirety of Christian life. Um, it has you know, scheduled, intentional meetings um, that, that typically last longer than, a counsel, than counseling would. And you, or you meet one-on-one to pray with someone, um, study scripture, memorize scripture, you know, go through homework, you know, going through the spiritual disciplines together, you're worshiping together. And the goal here is to help the believer obey the teachings of Jesus in every sphere of their life. Titus 2, 1 through 18 lays this out for us. So let's hop over to Titus to see Paul's command to Timothy. So in Titus 2, starting in in verse 1, this is Paul talking to to Titus, and he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of the Lord may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So we see in Titus that older men are to be above reproach and teaching what accords with sound doctrine and helping young men to be self-controlled and show their good works. And older women are to be reverent in behavior, teaching young women how to love their husbands and children. You know, for formal discipleship, know this, you can't disciple everyone here at Calvary. Galatians 6.10 says that, as we have opportunity to let us to do good to everyone, especially to those who are the household of faith. So you have to be specific. You only have so much time in the week, as, as, as well as other stewardships to maintain, like your spouse or your children. So Jesus took only 12 men with him to pour into. So think of a sp- specific person you can pour into. Or if you want to be discipled, think of someone that, who was living the life their life modeled after Christ now. So what would that model look like um, for you to follow? Now, I recall from Romans 12, 9 through 18, where Paul lays out the marks of a Christian. So let me read those to you. This is Romans 12, 9 through 18. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, 
do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So find someone who is faithfully being obedient to what is laid out here. And likely they're already discipling someone. But ask anyway. If you have committed to disciple someone, how can you prepare? I want to lay out several steps that we can follow to prepare for a discipleship. The first being start with prayer. Pray that God would use you to minister his word to another that they might obey his commands in every area of their life. And go about this with a humble attitude. This is a high calling. You get to bring the word of God to bear on another person's life for their good and for the glory of God. The second would be to schedule a time to meet. You know, decide on frequency, time, and location. And this is likely going to look different for men and for women. There's practical things to think about for men. Will it be early in the morning before you go to work? Now, this will require both of you um, to get up in time to meet. You know, so some practical things to think about. Is it going to be before breakfast? Is it going to be over breakfast? Uh, has your family been taken care of before you leave that early? Um, during the lunch hour is another option. Um, do both of you have the option to take an extended lunch? You might not be able to go as deep um, in some discipling context, like your homework and prayer. Uh, that might be a better way to use informal discipleship. Um, what about the evenings after work? Um, this will likely take time away from your wife and your children. The question is, are you faithfully stewarding them first? And for either for working women or for, or for single women, all of those can still apply to you as well. Um, and for stay-at-home moms, um, will you make time to disciple someone uh, during your morning or after breakfast and the kids are doing their school or at school themselves or during a nap time when there might be more peace and quiet? <laughs> will it be in the afternoon when, when the kids have time to play together or in the evenings when your husband has come from home, home from work, can you sacrifice an evening with your husband, your spouse, to pour into the life of another young woman? These are all things to think about when deciding on a schedule with your disciple. The third thing is to have a clear goal in mind. So decide on a topic or a book or a study to go through. And in the first few meetings, ask a lot of questions to get to know them. Is there a particular sin that they struggle with? Are they diligently reading God's word? How is their prayer life? What is their spiritual background? How long have they been a Christian? Where are they from? What's their job or their degree path? You know, what are their hurts, their fears, and their hopes? So get to, this is all in, in regards to get to know them better. And with that, you can refine your goals and pick a specific book or topic that would be beneficial to them and know that no two people are exactly alike. So, are you discipling a young man or a young woman? And here's where I have all of these books up here. Um, you know, you can consider going through some practical books on, um, let's see, we got Fundamentals of Faith by John MacArthur. I think a lot of these are listed in your handout as well. This is where I wanted you guys to have these resources to take home. If you're discipling one of these categories, these are handy books to take. Um, the Christian Life by Sinclair Ferguson. We've got the Personal Bible Study by... Uh, Jeremy Conrad. I've got the Praying with Scripture by Randy Barlow. Um, 
You know, if you're discipling a young mother or father, there are Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp or uh, Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Readily Change Your Life by Paul David Tripp. You know, are you discipling a parent with, um, of teenagers, um, Instructing a Child's Heart by uh, Teg and, and Margie Tripp or An Age of Opportunity by Paul David Tripp. These are excellent books that you can use to go through that, those parents to help walk them through uh, the trials that they face in parenting. You know, if you're, if you're disciplining, or disciplining, discipling a husband or a wife, uh, <laughs> the Exemplary Husband um, is an excellent one by Stuart Scott or The, uh, the Excellent Wife by Martha Peace. Um, if you're discipling a new believer, The Quest for Truth by Shannon Hurley or Partners, uh, One-on-One Discipleship. Those are excellent uh, resources to go through. Um, now, there are several other resources that are applicable to any discipleship setting. That would be like praying with, uh, praying with Scripture, one-on-one uh, Bible reading. We have Knowing God by J.I. Packer, 30 Days to Understand the Bible, Knowing the Bible 101. Um, this is this discipleship book by, it's called Discipling by Mark Dever, or uh, Being a Dad Who Leads by John MacArthur. So we have plenty of resources here, and there are many, many more, either down the hall in the library, in the office, or you can find um, one of the elders and talk. We, there are plenty of resources available to you to use in a discipleship setting. Um, and so all of us need the Word of God, but you can tailor the study uh, to, to your disciples' current needs. And you get to instruct them on the Word of God to transform their lives so they might better reflect God. What a joy it is to get to be a part of this ministry. Now, after a while, you, know, you get help them to replicate themselves and what they have learned by teaching that to someone else. This is a, in the discipleship ministry, you get, you get to be about this, this replicating yourself the way Paul did with Timothy. And the instructions that he left him in 2 Timothy 2, he says that he commanded Timothy to teach other men who are also able to teach other men. You're called to spiritual multiplication. Here's that shift in mindset again. You should be teaching others what you have already been taught, or you should be seeking to be taught so that you can teach others. Now, if you were on the church's email list, there was a link, I think, this week and last week to fill out a few questions about discipleship. Um, if you're not on that email list, let us know, and we can send that link to you. But that's going to be how the church can pair you up, whether you want to disciple or want to be discipled. And that's just a practical way to start. If you don't know where to start, start there with the email. And if you're already discipling, go ahead and fill out that link as well. Let us know, you know who you're discipling, and that's just a handy way to let the, uh, the church office know and what's going on in the body and, and where are the needs to, um, how can we meet those needs. Now, there are some obstacles to discipleship. I'm just going to go through a few of the obstacles um, that prevent us from starting that discipleship relationship. And one might be a lack of understanding that you're called disciple. Hopefully after last week, you understand that we are all called. It's not just the church elders who are called a disciple. It is us, the body of Calvary, who are called to disciple one another. could be a lack of knowledge of God's word or to know how to go about a discipleship relationship. And hopefully after this week, you understand, have some resources on how to go about doing that. It could be that you know and understand the call to discipleship, 
but there's a lack of obedience to the clear teaching of Jesus to make disciples and to teach them to obey his commands. What about time? Maybe your schedule is so full that you think you don't need discipleship enough to remove something from your busy schedule. Brothers and sisters, don't be caught in the lone ranger mentality where you think that you don't need others to come alongside you in your walk with Christ. So Jesus died to adopt us into a family. You now have spiritual brothers and sisters who walk alongside you and love you and want to share the truth of God's word in your life. This is something worth making time for. What about those who think that they are too erring or imperfect or too young? Let me say that we are all imperfect. And if you truly are a disciple of Jesus, there's always someone who needs encouragement, someone you can share with what, how you have been growing. You can pray with them or ask them what they are learning. So let me remind you that discipleship is not an option from the perspective of the Lord. We are called and commanded to be about this task. If you think you fit into any of the above categories, let me gently call you to repent and to turn from disobedience and turn to the Lord in obedience. We are not to be consumers of the word only. We, are, we sit under the wonderful teaching here at Calvary. Don't be like that man or woman in James who hears the teaching, is like a, looks in a mirror and sees themselves and immediately forgets after they walk away. Rather, we are to be doers of the word. How many sermons or podcasts have you listened to? We have access to so many good teaching and and theology and messages online. And you can put all of that into practice by sharing that with another through discipleship. Um, And know that this is not, there's no instantaneous fruit with discipleship. It does take time. There's no instant pot to get a, a mature believer. It's like a slow cooker that does take time and effort. It is costly. It costs time out of your day, time spent studying the word, preparing, going over homework. But it's a worthy effort. This is done out of obedience to Christ's command, and it's what's found in the Great Commission. I can stand here this morning and say that we are called to be about the work of discipleship. This is helping others to obey Christ in every area of their life. And when the members of Calvary are ministering to one another and building up the body, individuals grow and mature, are no longer children. They're solid and firm in trials, no longer tossed to and fro by, by the um, waves of trials. They know truth and theology, no longer carried about by every wind of doctrine. They're discerning, no longer carried about by human cunning and wise, no longer carried about by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So we saw earlier that, that they are to be, we are to be equipped by the leaders And then in verse 14, through your obedient discipleship, the saints are stabilized. When this is happening, the result is that intertwined saints are grown. There is a unity and growth when individual members use their God-given gifts to build up the rest of the body of Christ. This is the natural outworking when believers are involved in discipleship. In his book, Ephesians for You, Richard Koken put it this way, and I have the quote because it's a rather lengthy quote in your handout. Quote, Ephesians 4, 7, every single believer in Christ, without exception, has been given some grace. Paul's not referring here to God's saving grace by grace alone and Christ dying for us, but a subsequent additional grace in giving us gifts of ministry as Christ has distributed them. 
These gifts are not for our personal satisfaction or reputation, but to enrich the life and service of others in our church. These gifts of grace are not just abilities, but ministries, ways for us to serve his church family. As Paul explains more fully elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, this means that none of us should indulge in feelings of inadequacy, for we all have something to contribute. Indeed, the church will be weakened if we don't offer our ministry, and none of us should indulge in feelings of superiority because none of us have all of the gifts. Indeed, we will eventually discover that we all need the ministries of other people in our church. This diversity of ministries in a church is something to be celebrated and enjoyed, however frustrating our cultural and personal differences may sometimes feel. We don't just have God's gifts. We are God's gifts to his church. So our church is not here just in order to bless me, to bless you, as though you're a shopper filling your basket at the supermarket. The opposite is true. We are saved and given to our churches as gifts to bless others by serving them. We are not meant to be consumers, but contributors. End quote. (laughs) So is the giver of the gift pleased in how you are stewarding and using your gifts in the church today? Philippians 4.9 says, What you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. One way we want to be about this glorious work of building up the body and growing the saints is to look for someone to disciple. Christ called people to follow him. Paul called others to follow him as he followed Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is discipleship. Insofar as you submit to Christ, you can confidently model for another how you are living your life and studying of Scripture. This way they might grow and learn to obey Christ in every sphere of their life and to grow into maturity. So how are to be, we to be intertwined and grown? Again, look at the text says, rather, speaking the truth in love. We are to go about this ministry of discipleship, which is speaking truth, but speaking it in love. Sometimes the truth we have to bring to bear are difficult and hard to hear, and it needs to be done in love. Love for the believer who might be caught in sin. Love for the man who is having difficulty loving and leading his family. Love for the mother who is raising a family. As we are individuals, we as individuals are intertwined in life so that we might grow into Christ. We do not grow by just sitting under the teaching and equipping of the elders, but by speaking the truth to one another in love. So individuals are intertwined into a functioning body with Christ at the head. So with just a few minutes left, I've asked a faithful discipler um, here at Calvary who's discipled many men uh, to come up here and share a little bit what that's like. Ken, would you come up? There you go. Thank you, brother. Faithful. I don't know about the faithful (laughs) part, but certainly active. Um... Yeah, we asked to, to give a little taste of discipleship, give some examples. Um, thank you, Stuart. Stuart told me there'd be several men coming up today. 
<laughs> you feel like everyone's run except you. You're left there. You're wondering, what? What's, did I miss something? <laughs> Glad to be here, though. Uh, let me just a little bit of, of, of what I've done. Uh, just have a few minutes here. Um, you know, discipleship is teaching, and there's a lot involved with that. Uh, Matthew 28 we talked about. There's a lot of teaching involved, and the command is to go. And as you go, whatever you're doing, as you're going, you're teaching and encouraging others. Um, everyone should be in some sort of discipleship, whether that's formal or informal. Stuart mentioned that. If you're not doing discipleship, something's wrong, okay? If you're just coming and you're gone, there's something wrong. You're missing something vital that God has for you to grow in. So I'm not telling you you're in sin. I'm just telling you you're missing something vital in order to grow. Uh, Stuart gave me several questions to ask. How do you start discipleship? Have people sought me? Have I sought them? Uh, and really, it's been honestly, it's been a mix of both over the years. Uh, when I was a very young Christian, I was introduced, I, I met an older man in my church in Austin, and he just you know, I gravitated to him because he knew his word so well, and we developed a relationship. Now, 35 years later, I still call my friend Boyd when I get stumped with theological problems, and he never gets tired. I said, Boyd, what do you want to do with this, and what about this? And he generally will send me like a page, an email that's got three pages of research on it. This guy is like amazing. So every part of my Christian life from early on, every season of life, I have been discipled or discipling. Uh, not meeting with someone regularly would be unusual. And it's not because I'm some super saint. <laughs> it's just that I've been part of the church and God has just connected me with people or given me opportunities. Um, Stuart's question is, have they, have they been connected through the church leadership? Yes. Uh, in most cases, not all, but most cases, the church has identified, uh, it'd be great if you started meeting with so-and-so, so-and-so wants to meet with someone, uh, would you consider that? And those relationships have really, really blossomed. It's sort of like a Paul-Timothy relationship. Uh, there should always be someone in your life that you're going to individually, that you respect. And, and, then, and as you grow and mature in Christ, you should be looking around and seeing what kind of people you can influence as well. So there's a real, real opportunity. Um, the next question is, you know, how is it done? I think you did a pretty good job, Stuart, of explaining kind of what we do. And generally, um, we like to meet, we try to meet once a week. And I say that because we always have to be flexible. Uh, right now, I'm meeting with Jesse Neal. We're just having a great time. But, but weekly doesn't always work because something comes up. And so we're always real flexible with our schedule and our families and our vacations. And sometimes it feels like it's always restarting in some ways. But um, so there's some encouragement there. But I tell you what, just the depth of going deeper with someone in discipleship is such a blessing. There's encouragement that you get. There's an encouragement that they get. What you find is that God has equipped each of us individually you have special gifts that I don't have. And as you disciple, you, those tend to bubble up, and you start to see that. And then there are opportunities to encourage those gifts to be used within the body. Um, so how we do it? We've, the last time we, we started this, we went through Partners, which is a great uh, general discipleship book. It kind of starts from ground zero, all the fundamentals of the faith, a lot about the church and what the church's role is in discipleship. 
Um, this has always been real flexible for me, uh, so we'll hit on a topic and all of a sudden there's lots of questions in that topic. Well, the book gets set aside for a while and we'll go to plan B and just study that topic. It's a great thing about discipleship. It's very flexible. When issues come up, you can just stop and go and research and pray and deal with those, uh, as well as the trials of life. Anybody immune to the trials of life? <laughs> that would be no one. We all have those. Some of, the, uh, some of you have them now. And, and we need one another. We need someone that we can call and sit with. Uh, so we go through partners right now. Uh, we, we do homework. So there's always assignments that you have, lessons to prepare for, uh, memory verses to track with, and you have to do them too. So it's good for you too that you're memorizing the scriptures together. Um, it's not drudgery. Uh, Colossians 2, uh, 8, Paul says he re rejoices with the Colossians because they are disciplined in their faith and their stability of the faith. They're good and disciplined. And those are things that we want to create in, in discipleship, these habits of grace. Um, I like the way um, David Mathis and, and his book, Habits of Grace, put together three basic areas, fellowship, being in the Word, and being in prayer. I like that because there's so many things that we could be doing, but he categorizes those in three different areas, and when you're doing discipleship, you can say, okay, we can't do everything, but we can work on these three areas that may change a little bit, but it's something that we do every time we meet. We pray, we fellowship, have a good time, talk about life, we get into the Word, and we pray. And if you're a believer in Christ, you can do that. Um, praise the Lord. He's given us His Spirit. Uh, Stuart's question is uh, advice and things to avoid. Wow, I don't know. Uh, there's always things. Um, I would say uh, if you have any quirky theology, I have some quirky theology. Leave it, leave it behind. We don't need to get into it. Sometimes it's fun to go, you know, when you're in Bible study, there's rabbit trails, and you, oh, we can't, we got to focus. You get to go down some of the rabbit trails, but you really need to bring those back to the basics. Get back to the scriptures, get back to the teachings, and, and be careful not to, to go too far off with that. Um, some advice, uh, let the elders know that, that you would love to, you're not paired up yet. You'd like to have discipleship. They keep a list. If you're already meeting with someone, please let your elders know that you are meeting because there are shepherds that they kind of need to know who we're meeting with and um, just have a dotted line when things go on. We know and they know where we are. Um, Stuart already mentioned this, but ask good questions when you meet with someone. Listen well. Hebrews 10, 24 says, consider how to stir up one another to good, uh, to good deeds. How to consider that. You have to know someone. You have to get to know them on, to know how do I encourage them in this trial or how do I encourage their gifts to be used in the body in a way that they find joy and the church is benefited. So there's a, a deeper relationship that you can develop there. Uh, I mentioned to be flexible because things will not work out perfectly. Life will throw wrenches and trials at you and in your life and in their life. And, and praise the Lord they can walk we can walk together through those things, but we are just designed that way. We're designed not to be isolated. Um, yeah, I, that was the other thing I, I mentioned is, uh, you know, the goal is, is discipleship is to do those three things, the fellowship, the word, and the prayer. You, you're not 
by yourself. So your disciple needs to understand he needs to be involved in the church or she needs to be involved in the body, needs to be part of uh, the teaching ministries of the church. So there's an encouragement. It's not just two people meeting, right? It's, it's a whole congregation, and they need to be involved in using their gifts in other ways. Uh, ACBC, another plug for them, is a great way to get discipled and to grow. And lastly, uh, Stuart asked, have there been any growth and any uh, benefits? And I'll, I'll tell you that um, there, it's been a joy uh, to see growth in, in yourself and in those you meet with. Uh, I, I've experienced that personally uh, when I was growing, and, and to help others grow, it's such a great encouragement. Just remember that we don't get there all in one day, right? It's a slow, incremental process. There's falls and rises, but generally you look back and you think, wow, we've really come a long way. I just haven't noticed the, the changes. So don't be discouraged about that. I think that kind of encouragement goes in different ways. And I guess the last thing is uh, just remember to pray. It's amazing. I'm, always, I'm the last one to remember that we are in spiritual warfare going on. Like it always surprises me. I look back and I go, oh, yeah, that was a trial. Um, but prayer, pray for your disciples, uh, and they pray for you, and it's a great way to grow. I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you very much, Kim. Well, I pray that the, the last two lessons here on discipleship and, and then Ken's example and the examples of many others, I did reach out to several other men, and <laughs> he was the only one that said, yes, I can be there, and I'm ready to teach. So I pray that that would just encourage you to jump into this, uh, this area of discipleship. And I'm going to leave with, leave with this. How do you think a body is going to perform when every joint and ligament is functioning properly and in its place? I'd venture to say that it is going to be in its peak condition, able to function at high capacity the way Christ had designed it to. And when the local body is faithful in discipleship and discipling one another, the saints are intertwined and we grow to be more like Christ. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word of God that we have access to, Lord. Help us to be about uh, the work of discipling one another, Lord, living, in lo living our lives together, Lord, so that you might be glorified and that we might be grown together. Help us to, to be faithful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.